Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. One morning I walked into a church, but it wasn't on a Sunday. I looked around and I saw the empty seats, the sun glistening through the dust in the air. At first I was distraught at the sight of the empty chairs, but then I was filled with joy. I realized that the people who were once in those chairs were now outside of the building, working at their jobs, serving in their communities, laughing with their co-workers and growing with their families. They had the opportunity to be the church, not just sit in it. When will we be like them? When will we see the opportunity given to us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, bringing hope into the world. Stained glass can't pray for the sick. These walls can't preach the gospel, but you can. The building you're sitting in is just a building. But if you trust in Jesus, then you are the church. Hopefully you could say amen to that because that is the truth. You are the church. It's not a building. It's not about a location. You are the church if you have become a believer in Jesus. You're part of the church of God around the world. You make a difference. You have an impact upon this world And today we're going to talk about how we can help equip you to be the church as you go about your daily daily life. So what we have talked about in this series of messages in the book of Ephesians, we have talked about learning to sit. We spent several months where we just receive from God. We learned what it means to receive the grace of God, to be uh, following Christ, to have our new identity in God alone. That is sitting and receiving and resting in Him. Then we shifted gears and now we are talking about what it means to walk. How do I live a life worthy of God? How do I make a difference everywhere I go? When you go to school, when you go to work, when you go and you're doing sports somewhere, wherever you are, how are you making a difference for God? You are a representative of God everywhere you go. You carry his name on the back of your jersey and you represent him. Do you represent him well? Are you being the church as you go about into this world? 
We're going to look together at Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start with verses 1 through 3 once again because this is the context. Everything is based upon what Paul is saying here, and then we're going to skip to verse 11. Here's what it says. Again, the context of what Paul is saying. Therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called. Walk worthy of him. As you go to school, as you go to work, as you go throughout the community, as you go to your family, as you have a marriage, you raise your kids, walk in a manner worthy of God. You're his representative. How does that work? What does that look like? Well, with complete humility and gentleness, with patience, putting up with one another in love, making every effort to keep unified the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That is the context, that is the calling of God to walk in a manner worthy of him as we live out this life. Last time we talked about what that calling is, and that is a calling to the family of God, the body of God, to follow God as our, with our whole hearts today. We're going to look at what he is going to be giving us to help us in this worthy walk. Verse 11, God himself gave some to be emissaries. Now, your version may say apostles. He gave some to be apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists or proclaimers of the good news, some as shepherds and teachers to equip the kedoshim. I want to note that word, the word kedoshim. It comes from the Hebrew word kadosh, and the word kadosh just means holy. And the word kedoshim means the holy ones. Who's the holy ones? That's you. You're a saint. You are a holy one if you've trusted in Jesus. You are part of the Kedoshim. He gave all of these people to equip the Kedoshim for the work of the service, for the building up of the church, the body of Messiah. This will continue until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of Ben Elohim, Son of God to mature adulthood, to the measure of the stature of Messiah's fullness. As a result, we are no longer to be like children because children are fickle and children are easily distracted and easily persuaded. We're not to be like them. Instead, we're to be different. Children who can be tossed around by the waves and blown all over by every wind of teaching by the trickery of men with cunning and deceitful scheming. In other words, we've got to be solid, know what we believe, know why we believe it, and not just be flimsy and really floating on the waves of society. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all ways in a Messiah who is the head. From Jesus, the whole body is fitted and held together by every supporting ligament, the proper working of each individual part produces the body's growth for the building itself up in love. Today, the title of the message is this, Gifts Given for the Worthy Walk. God has called us all to walk in a manner worthy of him, but he's not going to just leave you alone to try to figure it out for yourself. You're just going to try to figure out what you're supposed to do on your own. No, he's given gifts to walk with us, to be there for us, to help us along the journey of life, to help us know what it means and live out this worthy walk that he has called us to live. Let's pray and then get into this message today. Father, we want to bring honor and glory to you. We want to walk in a manner worthy of you. Lord, as we reflect upon this past week, I, I'm guessing that there are some of us who have not 
done everything worthy of you. Maybe they feel bad. Maybe there's some guilt there. Maybe there's Maybe it's the way that we've treated our spouse. Maybe it's the way that we've raised our kids this week. Or maybe some things that have happened at work. And we haven't been a good representative of you. Help us to walk worthy. Help us to understand what you've given us as assistance on the journey of life that we're on. Help us to receive that, to understand it, and help us to bring good representation for you. We thank you, Father, for this time. Teach us now We want to surrender to you. You are king, you are Lord, you are creator, Lord, and we we just come here at this time to hear from you. We thank you, we praise you in the name of Jesus, amen. I don't know if you are like this, I'll just give you a little bit about me. I'm a real gadgety kind of a person. I love gadgets. I don't know what it is. I can look at the Amazon list of the latest gadgets, and there's something intriguing about it. My, a couple of my kids have kind of inherited that, but I see a gadget, and I think that would be so cool, and I want to buy a little gadget. And I buy a gadget like that, and I never sem- seem to use it, but there's something kind of intriguing and cool about the idea of gadgets. I'm especially intrigued with travel gadgets. Like, what is the best suitcase and the best backpack? And you can get one of those and think, oh, this is not good enough. I want to get the next thing or the best thing. And what's going to make life easier and more helpful? One of the things that I have been striving to try to find is the perfect travel pillow. You know what I mean by this? You could go on, the, on uh, traveling and you see the little horseshoes that people are wearing, and I've tried those, and those are, they just don't seem to work very well. So I'm on the search for what is the best travel pillow that is out there. I've kind of narrowed it down to three things. Now, my wife gets a little irritated with me because I'm always looking for the next travel gadget, but I've got three ideas in mind of the best neck pillow as you're traveling. One of them is this. That's the picture of it. It is called the turtle, and you can be comfortable in your own neck sweat and just have that on, and it's great, and hopefully you'll get rest on the plane. Well, maybe that's not the trick. Maybe that's not the right pillow for you. Maybe it's something a little bit better, and I found this one. I thought, well, this this would be great. It's an inflatable pillow. I don't know how long it takes to blow this pillow up, but you can be blowing this pillow up and then put it on the tray in front of you and put your head like it's a massage table. And uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe that would work. Would you feel awkward sitting next to somebody who did that and had that? Anyway, that's not my favorite. This is the one I'm going to buy as soon as Jennifer gives me the okay and the permission to buy it. This is the best travel pillow right there. That is the best one. (laughs) Now, if you see somebody as you're traveling who is using this, just take a picture, please, and let me know. If any of you have this, I'm sorry for making fun of it here today, but it is the ultimate travel pillow, right? And apparently you're going to sleep comfortably and soundly, and again, if somebody put that on next to you, how would you feel about that person? I mean, okay. You know, gifts that are, these gadgets are like gifts that are given. God has given us gifts for the purpose of walking worthy of him. 
And it's not like just the latest travel pillow, but it is kind of like Paul saying, well, here's the best shoes, here's the best travel bag, here's the walking stick, here's the best hat you need, here's the best suitcase to carry to help you along your journey. God has not left us alone. He's not abandoned us. He's given us things that are there to help us in order to prepare us to walk in a manner worthy of him. Now, the Bible gives us three categories of gifts. It doesn't ever say the categories, but I've just put them into categories. There are three types of gifts that are given. We are going to spend the next two weeks, today and next week, looking at gifts in the Bible how these gifts apply to us, how they relate to us, and how they help us to walk in a manner worthy of God. The first set of gifts that we're going to look at today are people gifts. God has given people and put them into our lives as a gift. We don't always recognize it, don't always notice it, but God has put people into our lives as gifts to help us and encourage us and challenge us so that we can walk worthy. We're going to look at that today. He's also given us what are called temperament gifts. Now, what are temperament? Well, that's these are motivational or functional gifts. They come out of Romans chapter 12. And in Romans chapter 12, we're going to see that God has wired within each one of us abilities, gifts, and talents that when you use them for God's sake will affect the entire body of believers for for the good. Those are the temperament gifts. And then finally, we are going to look at the manifestation gifts. Those are times when God just shows up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14 is where we'll look at that. We'll look at those final two categories next week. But there are times in life that God just shows up with healing, with wisdom, with encouragement, with knowledge. He shows up at the time we need it the absolute most. Today, we are going to look at people gifts, the gifts that God has given to the church for the purpose of building up the church. Let's look again at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, and I'm going to note these things for us today. God himself, he himself gave. So that's the gift. He gave something He gave something to the church for a specific reason. He gave some people as emissaries or apostles. He gave some as prophets. He gave some as evangelists or proclaimers of the good news. He gave some as shepherds, and he gave some as teachers. He gave this group of people to the church for the purpose of building up the church. What is the job of these people? Well, the job is to equip. There are a lot of unrealistic expectations that people have on leaders of a church, especially on pastors. I have, I have been in pastoral ministry now for 25 years, working in churches for that time, and there are a lot of unrealistic expectations that people have on pastors and on pastoral staff. So I want to share a little bit of that with you here today. These expectations are unrealistic because these are not what God has called a pastor or a leader of a church to do. Let me give you some examples of some of the unrealistic expectations that happen on pastors. Number one, this unrealistic expectation that every sermon 
should be a winner. That's one of the unrealistic expectations. Every sermon should be a winner. There was a megachurch pastor who was being interviewed, and he was asked this question, do you ever let one of your assistant pastors preach? Well, his answer was this, no, I don't. My people at my church won't allow it. They want to hear the pastor and no one else. He then paused for a second and said these words, and they expect me to hit it out of the park every time I come up to the plate. In other words, their expectation is every sermon is a home run. It is batting a 1,000. Now, realistically, that never happens. No pastor can live up to that kind of pressure, but that's the kind of pressure that people put on a pastor because they don't understand exactly what the role of the pastor is. The pastor's role is to entertain me. It's to preach something that's going to be a home run, and if it's anything less than that, we're going to be disappointed. Well, for pastors, that creates a lot of anxiety and pressure and stress and depression because I will go home at times thinking that was terrible. What a waste of time. What a terrible message. And it just eats at you because that's the expectation that people can have that's an unrealistic expectation. You got about a thousand, you got to hit a thousand home runs. It's got, or every time you step the plate, it's got to be a home run or else you're going to suffer. And that's one of the unrealistic expectations. Number two, second unrealistic expectation that people have is that every, uh, uh, every member should be happy at all times. That's another unrealistic expectation that happens. And if someone is unhappy, it's clearly the pastor's fault. He isn't doing his job, otherwise they wouldn't be unhappy. In the pastor's job description, it does not say that the job is to please everyone. It'll never happen. But if people have an unrealistic expectation that that's the case, then everybody will be disappointed. Third one is that every doctrinal question should be answered immediately by the pastor at all times. In other words, what that means is this. The pastor can never say, well, you know, I, I, actually, I don't really know. That's not okay. The pastor has to know everything at all times about everything in the Bible. I'll never forget, well, it happens more than once, but people will come up to me and they will say something like this to me. They'll say, well, you know what it says in 1 Corinthians 7.3. And I'm like, I actually don't know what it says in 1 Corinthians 7.3. I am not a walking Google or encyclopedia of where every verse is in the Bible. I just don't know where every verse is. But they have that expectation that you're going to know it all, and you can't ever say, well, I don't really know. You know, in my study time, and I was just kind of thinking through these thoughts, and I pulled out of just the, the air, I said, 1 Corinthians 7, 3. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to look that up to see what that actually says. I got a kick out of it when I looked it up to see what it actually, here's what it actually says. I didn't know this ahead of time. It says this, the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. That's the verse. I don't know. If there's something subtle there, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Number four, another unrealistic expectation, every program or effort should be successful. No failure, no excuses, 
Everything has to succeed. It just does not happen. Number five, every worship service should meet everyone's needs. You ever walked away thinking, well, you know, I didn't really get anything out of that today. Well, if that's the case, it's the pastor's fault that he didn't meet every need that I have, which means you're coming to church for the wrong reason. You're coming because it's all about you, and I, it's what I can get out of it. It's not what I can give and how I can learn and how I can grow. Another unrealistic need, every pastor should be a mind reader and know without being informed. And I have run into this more times than I can count. You didn't reach out when. You didn't call when. You didn't help when. And you fill in the blank. And then the person is asked, well, did you actually let the pastor know? No, I didn't. They should just know. And that I have faced more times than I can count. We can't be mind readers. It's an unrealistic expectation to think that that is what's going to happen. In any pastor, pastoral member or any church leader, we can't know unless you let us know. Number seven, every minister, or maybe this is number eight, every minister should be superhuman. In other words, never hurt, never struggle, never become weary, never become irritable, Never, Lord forbid, never need a raise in your salary. That can't happen. You need to be superhuman. You're here for us. I think, I, I think that was number seven. Number eight is this. Every pastor should be on call at a moment's notice, never taking a day off, never taking a vacation. I remember people having this concept in mind. You need to be sitting at your desk from eight to five every day. You need to be there. If you're not there, you're not doing your job. At the same time, you also need to be going out and visiting people and having coffee with people and helping people where they're at. So I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you can sit there and be out there at the exact same time, but that's the expectation. That's not what a pastor's job is. It's not what a church leader's job is. What a pastor's job and what a church uh, leader's job is, is, is this. Our job is to equip you to do the work of service. For us to equip you to build up the body of Jesus. And we are to do this until we become mature. That's the job of what a pastor is due, to equip the Kedoshim, to build up the body, to cause every member to grow up. So you know what a pastor's job really is and a church leader's job really is? We are the training department. We are, of the organization, the trainers, the equippers, the helpers, the teachers, so that you can be growing and that you can be about the work of God. When someone is hurting in the church, it's not the pastor's job, although we want to help, but it's not the pastor's job. You know whose job it is? It's your job. If you have a brother or sister that is hurting, don't rely upon leaders to reach out. You go, and you take a meal, and you pray, and you bear the burdens, and you be there for them. And when you're hurting, 
they will be there for you. Because that's the way that the church operates. The staff are the equippers, the trainers. We're the training department. The church is the one who's doing the work. Being there for each other, helping each other, reaching out to each other, supporting each other, encouraging each other, and meeting each other's needs until we all grow up. You know, if you've got kids, you understand this concept. I am there with my kids to help them, especially at a young age. They can't do anything. So I'm going to tie their shoes, and I'm going to get them dressed, and I'm going to make them food, and I'm going to get them to bed, and I'm going to read them a story, and I'm just going to help them. And then they get to the age where now they have grown up, and I don't need to do that for them anymore. For my, my son, who's you know, going to be uh, 29 here just in a month, I don't go to his house and tie his shoes for him. <laughs> that would be really weird if I did that. Um, I, I don't go and make sure he's well-fed. That would be weird. I love him. I've trained him. Now he's grown up and able to do the same for his children. That's the purpose of the church. We equip you. You grow you reach out and help other people, and then you come alongside of them. And that's what help happens in the functioning of the church. Okay, with that, we're called to be equippers. Who specifically are called to be the equippers? What are the equippers of the church? Well, again, let's just break down what Paul says. He gave to the church the equippers, the, equip, the equipper team, the, the training team. The first one is the emissaries. Now, what are emissaries? In your Bible, it will say apostles. The word apostle, the word emissary is essentially the same type of thing. It's just translated a little bit different depending upon the version you have. But an equipper who is an apostle or an emissary, here's what the definition is. It's one who is sent and who represents the one who sent him. To be sent forth with the gospel providing leadership over church bodies and maintaining authority over spiritual matters pertaining to the church, outreach and vision. Now, think of it this way. There are capital A apostles, and you could think of it as lower A apostles. What were the capital A? Well, these were the original 12. They were the apostles. And they were sent out by Jesus himself to oversee the church getting established. There were other apostles besides the 12, though, that were referred to as apostles. People by the names of James, the brother of Jesus, Barnabas, uh, Junius, Silas, Timothy, uh, Apollos. They're being referred to in the Bible as apostles as well. This is, in my opinion, someone who's like a regional representative of a church. If you're a part of a church denomination, You'll have a district superintendent, a regional overseer, somebody who helps oversee the churches. That's what an apostle is. They have come to a position like a bishop would, and they are helping to oversee the ministry, and they are given that role by God as it pertains to outreach and vision. That's the first thing that he says. Now, we don't have that here. We're a non-denominational church. We don't have that, that part of it. But here's what else he says. And some were given as prophets. Now, prophets in the Bible, 
And we're going to learn more about prophets next week as we talk about these other gifts that God has given to the church. But the prophets were those that were sent out by God to speak forth the message of God to his people. In the Bible, a prophet was what was called a foreteller and a foreteller. A fourth teller is one who is speaking the word of God, not a new revelation, but speaking the word of God in a certain situation. A foreteller is giving a new revelation. Did you know in the Bible that it was about 90 to 95% of the time that they were just speaking God's word? There was about 5 to 10% of the time that they were giving a new revelation. New revelation is something that God is bringing onto the scene. Today, most times, this idea of a prophet is just speaking God's word. Take God's word, and you're going through something tough, and somebody speaks God's word to you, and you may have heard it many times before, but for this particular time, this particular reason, it just hit you. A prophet was speaking and you heard the words of God almost like they were direct from God for you at that moment. And that's what a prophet does. A prophet speaks forth God's word. Sometimes it's a foretelling, but most of the time it was just bringing God's word into the situation that people needed to hear. Sometimes it was confrontational. Sometimes it was bold. Sometimes it was brash. But that's what a prophet does. Okay, what else does he say he gave to the church? Well, he gave to the church proclaimers of the good news, the eulangia. Proclaimers of the good news. You're going to see in your Bible evangelists. He gave evangelists to the church. Why? What is an evangelist? Well, an evangelist, a proclaimer, is a preacher of the gospel, a messenger of the good news sent forth. They are focused on outreach one who is able to communicate the message of the gospel in such a way that many people will listen and be moved to accept Jesus as their personal Savior. We have had, since the foundation of this country, a lot of great evangelists that have come on the scene. In our lifetimes, the best-known one would have been Billy Graham. Think of what Billy Graham did. If you've ever watched any of the reruns of his crusades, he was not pastoring a church He was going in and creating a crusade, an evangelistic moment, where they would fill stadiums, and he would share the gospel, and thousands of people would stream to the front because they wanted to get saved. He would then take those people and pass them on to the churches, go to a church, find a church, get a church home, because that's where you're going to grow. His job was not to disciple them. It was not to pastor them. It was to be an evangelist to bring them to the gospel, and then to pass them on somewhere else. And that's what happens today. We have evangelists that God has given to the church as the starting point, that people get saved, and they get right with God, and now they're going to grow. So he says he's given also proclaimers, evangelists, and then he's given shepherds. What is a shepherd? Well, it's a pastor. A pastor, a shepherd, is another gift that is given. So, Pastor Grant, Pastor Stephen, even myself, given as gifts to you. So when I tell my wife, I am God's gift to you, she knows what it means. A gift. 
a shepherd pastor, what does a shepherd pastor do? Well, they are responsible not for meeting every need, not for reading your mind, not for meeting unrealistic expectations. Our job is to spiritually care for, protect, guide, feed a group of believers entrusted to one's care. A shepherd of the flock. The under-shepherd to Jesus, the great shepherd. That's what our role is. That's what our job is. Our job is to equip you, to feed you, to train you, and to protect you. Sometimes protecting you from the enemy, sometimes protecting you from yourself. That's what we do. We're not here to read your minds. We're not here to meet every need that you possibly have. We are the training department, the equippers, to help you, like a shepherd would for a sheep, who watches out for their flock, who helps protect them, who helps nourish them, who takes them to water, who helps them grow. And what does Paul say? It's so that you can then do the work of the body. You can reach out and love on people and have a social group that you can help them when they have hurts and when they have needs. That's what a pastor does. So Paul says, that's the role. I've given these gifts to the church so that you're not alone, so that you don't have to walk alone, so that you can walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you've received. One final one, he says, and teachers. What is, what is a teacher? Well, a teacher is a lot of what we do as pastors as well. A teacher is able to instruct. You know, one of the things that I love doing is teaching the Word of God. And I try to teach it in a way that is understandable and relatable, that the Bible is not a foreign concept, that it's something you can apply to your lives, that it comes alive and makes sense. And that's what a teacher does. Able to instruct others in the Bible in a logical, systematic way so as to communicate pertinent information for true understanding and growth. Why do we do all of this? Well, we are called, again, to equip you, the saints, the holy ones, for you to do the work of service, for you to help build the body until we come to a unity of faith and we also come to a level of maturity. We are here to walk alongside of you so that you can grow and become the mature people that God wants you to be. He's given gifts so that we can walk in a manner worthy of him. He doesn't just say, walk worthy of me and figure it out. He's brought people into your life. Not just this church, by the way. You have favorite pastors that you listen to. I don't know, you know who those pastors are, but I know some of you. You have a favorite. Maybe, maybe um, you know, it's somebody on, you see on TV. Maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's a YouTube video that you watch. You watch all of the sermons. You can't get enough of it. They were brought into your life. You, you don't know them personally, but they were brought into your life to equip you to build you up and to grow you up. When I first got saved, I, um, my wife and I moved shortly after that. A couple of years after that, we moved to Sioux Falls, where we lived for several years. And I had a favorite pastor, large church pastor. And I got all of his cassette tapes that I could. Now, I know... That word, you may not know that, cassette tapes. If you don't know that word, look it up. There's history on it somewhere. I got cassette tapes. And every time I was in my car 
and driving around in the community, I would pop those cassettes in the stereo and I would listen over and over. I'd listen to message after message after message. He never knew me, ever. Still isn't to this day. Doesn't know who I am, doesn't know that I exist. But those messages helped equip me so that I could be where I'm at today. The job of a pastor, the job of an evangelist, the job of a prophet, the job of an apostle, of a teacher, is to equip you so that you can be a functioning part of the church. And you can come alongside of others and help them grow to maturity. That is what it means to have people as gifts. Next week, we're going to look at the other two categories. We're going to look at Romans chapter 12, the temperament or the motivational, functional gifts. Do you know that God has put talents and abilities in you that other people don't have? You have gifts wired within you that God wants you to use for his kingdom's sake. Pastor Stephen and his band, they have gifts, musical gifts. They can, some play an instrument, some can play the guitar exceptionally well, it's amazing to watch them play. Some have beautiful voices, even a couple can play the drums back here in a way that's pleasing. Gifts that are given to you, I don't have those gifts. If I grabbed Stephen or Lael's guitar when it was up here and I started playing, it would be miserable. I can, I can play three chords. Not well, but I can play three chords. Thankfully, most worship music is just three chords today, so I, maybe I could muddle by, muddle by. I can't do that. It's not my gift, but it is theirs. In the same way, I have gifts that maybe they don't have, and you have gifts that I don't have. And another person has gifts that none of us have. And you know what happens? You use what God has given you. We come all together and the entire church is blessed because we are using the gifts God has given us. That's the temperament gifts. And then finally, in 1 Corinthians, we're going to look at what are called the manifestation, when God just shows up in amazing, supernatural, incredible, miraculous ways. We're going to close today with a word of prayer. And I want to remind you, and I, I forget to do this often, I just want you to know this. We have a couple of prayer stations that are set up, one on each side. We have a team of people that meet up there every week. If you want prayer, maybe something's heavy on your heart, maybe something from the message speaks to you, maybe there's a problem you're going through, you can gather up there after the service and we want to pray for you. We're going to close today with a word of prayer, then we're going to dismiss. But if you want to take advantage of that, please, please feel free to do so. Let's pray. Lord, help us to walk in a manner worthy of you. Help us to use the gifts and abilities that you have given us. Help us to be thankful for those you've brought in our lives that really are gifts to us. They have helped us. They've trained us. They've equipped us to be able to do what you want us to do. They've helped us grow up into maturity. And we are grateful and thankful for them. Father, as we leave this place, help us to leave this building knowing that the building is not the church, that we are the church. And we are called to walk worthy of you, to make a difference in this world, to bring the love of Christ out of these walls to a hurting community. Lord, as we leave, bless us. Be with us and protect us until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Hey, thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.